Welcome to the sermon podcast of Exodus Church, located in Belmont, North Carolina. For more information about our church and the many ways you can be involved, please go to our website at theexoduschurch.org or email us at info at theexoduschurch.org. All right, now, if you'll take your Bible and turn to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, we've been in this series called Easter at Exodus. Now, every, every time I preach God's word, I am, I am always thinking about what kind of questions are people asking? Like, what, what are people bringing in the room uh, as we think about a passage? I, I want to know first what the passage says, but I also want to know what are people thinking about? Now, I, uh, would, I would bet that most of you did not come in here today thinking about two things. Most of you did not come in here today thinking about Greek dualism. You also probably didn't come in here thinking, hey, I wonder what my body's going to be like when I, when I die. But those are the two things we're going to need to talk about today. And my hope is, as we talk about them, that God will help you connect with God's Word in a way that it doesn't just give you future hope, but it gives you present hope. For us to understand the passage we're in in 1 Corinthians 15, we need to understand Greek dualism. This was a worldview that radically shaped the Corinthian church. It was and like, if I really simplify it, it basically held that the body was bad and the soul was good, okay? Body, bad, and soul, good. And so death, at the end of life, when you die, the soul was finally liberated from the body. That was kind of their understanding of life and death. And it radically shaped the worldview of the church. And so Paul comes in and begins preaching the gospel to them. He says to them, I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached, which you also received. And the gospel that he preached was that Christ died for our sin and that Christ was buried and that Christ, Christ's body raised, was raised from the grave, defeating sin and death. And so what Paul is saying to them is that Christ's body was raised, not that his soul was raised, that his body was raised. And they had heard all of this. They had believed all of this. They had believed the gospel, but they still had this dualistic worldview that said body, bad, soul, good. And so they had no concept of a dead body being raised from the grave. They, they saw no need for it because the soul was finally, in their understanding, the soul was finally liberated from the body at death. And so some were saying, no, dead bodies are not raised. That's what we looked at last week. Because Paul said, look, if dead bodies are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then we are fools and we are doomed, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, no, Christ has been raised. And then Paul doubles down on that and says, because Christ has been raised, our bodies will be raised. And we will get a body like his. We will have a new glorified body for a new glorified universe. That's the Christian hope that we have. And that created two more questions that he's going to engage in verse 35. Look at that with me. It says, but someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? And he's going to spend the rest of the chapter answering those two questions. Now, again, I know that most of you did not come in here today thinking, I wonder what my body's going to be like when I die. Most of us don't think about death, except that, hey, am I going to be okay? Like, do I know Jesus and my Lord and Savior? Because I've heard and I understand that that's an important thing. But most of us don't think beyond 
that question. Now today, uh, Paul's going to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit and help us see. And what we have in front of us is something glorious. Something glorious that should give us hope for the future, but also courage for today. Courage for today, and that's my hope. So I'm going to read God's Word. We're going to start at verse 35. We're going to read through verse 57. I know that's a long passage. We're going to read that. Then I'll pray, and we'll jump into what God's Word has to say for us today. It says, But someone will ask, How are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that's to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there's one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is another. There's one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for stars differ from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What's sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. It's sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, it's raised in power. It's sown a natural body, it's raised a spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. As is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot enter, inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. And when the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for this this word. And Lord, though, uh, again, many of us were not thinking about these things when we came in, Lord, I pray that our hearts and minds would be riveted to your word for the next little bit. I pray that you would, uh, Holy Spirit, that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to receive the goodness from your word today. Help us. And Lord, I pray that this would fill us not just with future hope, but with present courage, because we need that today. And we pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. All right, we're going to see two things in the passage today. We're going to see our present bodies and our perfect bodies. Let's jump into our present bodies. Now, when, I, when I'm talking about present bodies, I'm talking about the one we have, right? This, this body that you have. And Paul speaks of this body uh, in four ways here in verses 35 to 44. The first way he speaks of this body is as a seed. Look at verse 36. He says, uh, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies, and what you sow is not the body that is to be, 
but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen and to each kind of seed its own body. So what Paul is saying about our present bodies is that our present bodies are a seed that one day will produce something else that's like what's in that seed. It's not, you're not going to plant a, tom- uh, um, a, a squash and expect a tomato. Okay. There's, there's something in our body is a seed of what our, our present body is a seed of what our future perfect body will be like. Now he's using an analogy here. Okay. Now, um, speaking about this, uh, Joni Erickson Tata, who is an author speaker when she was 17 years old, she had a tragic accident where uh, she was paralyzed from the neck down. She spent the rest of her life in a wheelchair, uh, serving individuals and families with disabilities. And she writes this, Somewhere in my broken, paralyzed body is the seed of what I shall become. The paralysis makes what I am to become all the more grand when you contrast atrophied, useless legs against splendorous, resurrected legs. She says, I'm convinced that if there are mirrors in heaven, and then she says, and why not? The image I'll see will be unmistakably Joni, although a much better, brighter Joni. And so what Paul is saying is this present body that we, that we are is a seed of what will come. Second thing he says is that our bodies are distinctly glorious. Look at verse 39. He says, for not all flesh is the same. There's one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are heavenly bodies, earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind and the glory of the earthly is of another. There's one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. Paul is trying to tell us that this present body, it's a seed of what will be, but it's a really distinctly glorious seed. He says, um, not all flesh is the same. There's one kind for humans, another for animals. What he's saying is that there is something distinctly glorious about human beings. We are not animals. We are human beings. Now, if you're in a biology class and you're discussing uh, classification and your teacher talks about human beings as an animal, I do not suggest you saying, but my pastor said... Okay, I don't suggest you saying that out loud, but in your heart, you need to say to yourself, I'm not an animal. I'm a human being. You're not an animal. Listen, I love animals. Okay, a lot of them taste good. (laughs) I like dogs, not a cat fan at all. Don't understand that at all. I like animals, but we're not them. You don't have a grand dog. Okay, you don't. Don't buy that for your parents. We are not animals. We are human beings, and there's something distinctly glorious about the bodies that God has given us. And while our bodies are distinctly glorious, they're also broken. That's what he gets at in verses 42 to 44. He says, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. And he lists four things about our present bodies and then our perfect bodies, and we're going to get to that in a minute. He says, what is sown is perishable, means it dies. It's sown in dishonor. It means it decays. It's sown in weakness. It's sown a natural 
body. What he's saying is though our body is a seed of what it will be and though it has a distinct, wonderful glory, it's also broken. Every one of our bodies is affected by sin. It's not, it, it's not just affected by the sin we do, though it is, okay? It's also affected by just how sin has broken the world. And so our bodies are broken. And lastly, he says our bodies are not fit for the kingdom. Look at verse 50. He says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. What he's saying is, we, these present bodies, though they are a seed of what's to come, though they are, have a distinct glory, they cannot, apart from being radically transformed by Jesus, inherit the kingdom of God. He says we must be born again. And part of being born again is that eventually we get a new body. Now, in all this, Paul's trying to engage their dualism. They, they had this idea that the body was bad. Paul's like, no, the body's not bad. The body's broken. But the body has a distinct glory about it. It has a distinct glory about it. And they understood that at the end of life, the soul that was good was freed from this body that was bad. And Paul's like, no, that's, that's not at all what's going on. Because you see, we are not a soul in a body. We are a body and soul united. You are body and soul, both. And at death, at death, that union is torn apart, which is why when we look at a dead body, we, we say, well, that's not, that's not John. Now, it is and it isn't, right? Like what's hap- what, we're, what we're grieving, what we're seeing is the separation of body and soul that's happened. And, and what, what the Bible teaches, and some, some theology for a minute, okay, what the body teaches then is that when you die, your soul is separated from your body and it goes to one of two places. If you're a follower of Jesus, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You're with him. And that's really good news. If you don't know Jesus, then your soul is somewhere else. It's in a horrible place called hell, suffering the wrath of God for your sin. But your body and soul are separated when you die. And in both places, your soul is awaiting the return of Jesus when he will return and our bodies will be raised. Now what that's called, theologians call that the intermediate state. And then at Jesus' return, when he comes back, now listen, we don't talk about eschatology a lot because that's a family conversation. And I'm going to say some things that some of you aren't going to disagree with, aren't going to agree with. Uh, I'm kind of putting some of my cards on the table about that. Okay, so let's have a cup of coffee and we can argue. And at the end of it, we can both say, we really don't know what's going to happen, right? So, but what we do know, what we agree on is that Jesus is going to come back and that at his return, souls will be reunited with their bodies. Individuals will face the judgment of God. Believers then, with their radically changed bodies we're about to get to, will go into their eternal state in a new heaven and a new earth. We'll have new glorified bodies for a new glorified universe forever. And those who are not yet follow, those who have not followed Jesus will spend an eternity separated from him in a place called hell. But what the Bible teaches is that at the, uh, at the return of Jesus, when, when Jesus comes back, it says in the, at the end of the chapter, we'll be changed in the twinkling of an eye at the sound of the trumpet. We'll be changed and we'll get 
a perfect body. We'll leave this, this present body, will be transformed into a perfect body. And that's what we're going to get to in the rest of the passage. Look at verse 42. It says, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. Now that word raised uh, is a really important word. It's connected back to what has happened to Christ. Like Christ was raised from the tomb, our bodies will be raised to be made new, a new glorified body for a new glorified universe. He says what is raised is imperishable. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. Sown in weakness, raised in power. Sown a natural body, raised a spiritual body. Now don't, don't read spiritual and think, oh see, it's, it's, it's just a soul. No, it's a spiritual body. And so like Jesus' body was raised from the tomb, our bodies will be raised and made perfect. We'll have new glorified bodies for a new glorified universe. And he says in verse 49, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, this, this present body that we have, we shall bear the image of the man of heaven, the perfect body that's promised us. Now, this raises some more questions. How's this going to happen? That's what he kind of in, starts interacting with in verse 51. He says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body, this present perishable body, must put on the imperishable, this mortal body must put on immortality. Notice when that happens, that happens at the return of Jesus. What then? Verse 54. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Notice when that happens. Notice when that is true. That becomes true when Jesus comes back. Now, a lot of times uh, we quote that verse at funerals, and I understand why we do that. We, we quote this because we know, we know, that this moment is not the end. We know that to be true. Particularly uh, when, when we know for certain this person was a follower of Jesus, we, we can have hope that uh, death is swallowed up in victory. But death still has a sting. Death's sting is not over. Death hurts. We, we grieve, we grieve the loss of people close to us that we've lost. Death stings, but there's coming a day. There's coming a day when death won't sting anymore. There's coming a day when there are no more goodbyes. That's the day when this will finally be true. When this will finally and fully be true is when Jesus comes back and makes all things right. That's when death will not sting anymore because we'll never have to say goodbye again. We'll be with him, we'll be with all who have trusted him, and we'll be with them forever. And so we'll have a new glorified body for a new glorified universe, a perfect, a perfect body. Now, 
how do we apply this? Well, a lot of times there's a, a very clear, hey, this is what you should do in light of this passage kind of thing that we can find. Sometimes you just need to be reminded of things, and that's today. The passage wants us to know something. And what the passage wants us to know is that our bodies are gifts from God. Our bodies are gifts from God. That's what the passage wants us to know. Our present bodies are gifts. This this present body, it's, it's broken, it's not fit for the kingdom, but it is a seed of what's to come and it's got some distinct glory to it. Paul wants us to remember we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Man, when I was growing up, my mom just wore that verse out on me. Just wore it out. I, I, um, I did and do have some struggles about kind of my appearance. Okay, I don't need pity. It's just kind of how I'm put together. Um, and one of the re- one of the things of the many list of things is the size of my feet. So uh, I wear a size 16 shoe. Okay, go ahead and gasp. It's all right. Um, when I was in high school, though, I wasn't all right with it. And on a day, and back then there was no internet. No internet. Okay, so I had been to five shoe stores. And at five shoe stores, I'd looked across the, the counter and said, do you have a size 16? And on the fifth one, this moron looks back across to me and says, man, you got a big foot, don't you? So um, I got in the car, got home. My mom knew it wasn't the time to talk. And when I got home, I just said, man, I'm just tired of kind of how I'm made. I'm just tired of it. And she, she said, Brian, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I mean, she, she literally wore, the, if I don't know this verse by heart, there's a problem, okay? For you formed my inward parts. This is David talking about God. You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. I wonder, does your soul know that? Like deep in your gut, does your soul know that your body is a gift from God? Listen, God made you. He made How he made you is a gift. You are more than a body, but you are not less than a body. And God made you the way he made you for a purpose. You are a gift. He made you male or female for a purpose. Males image the males reflect the image of God in a unique way. Females image and reflect the image of God in a unique way. It's a beautiful thing. And it's really appropriate and necessary for us to slow drip this into our kids. You're beautiful. God made you. You're so inquisitive. You're so creative. God, you're so strong. You see how strong God made you? You see what your body can do? It's really good to slow drip the reality that we have a distinct glory. We're not animals. And we need to engage that idea with our kids because they're hearing messages everywhere else. We need to slow drip that into their lives. Now, certainly, we need to steward the gift that we've been given. But our bodies are a gift from God. 
And if you, if you struggle to believe that, if your soul doesn't know that very well, I would just encourage you, encourage you to spend some time in Psalm 139. Maybe, maybe talk to somebody and say, you know what? I struggle with that too. I need somebody to remind me that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Our present bodies are a gift. Our perfect bodies are a gift. I want us to think for a minute about a new glorified body for a new glorified universe. Again, we don't wake up on Tuesday thinking about this. We will get a new glorified body for a new glorified universe when Jesus comes back. Can you imagine the gift of a body no longer tempted by sin? No more, no more temptation, no more falling, no more sense of shame. None of it. Can you imagine the gift of a body not ravaged by sin? We, as distinctly glorious as our bodies are, they're still broken. Can you imagine what our a new glorified body is going to look like? Can you do you realize that your, our bodies are broken, but this world has been broken by sin too? So the most beautiful thing you've ever seen is not what it will be? Can, can you think about a glorified sunrise that you're seeing with glorified eyes? Can you think about a glorified cup of black coffee? made from glorified beans by a glorified barista with glorified taste buds. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine glorified ears that hear glorified voices singing? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the gift of a body made forever? No more heart disease, no more joint pain, no more loss of mental acuity. I'm, I'm in that little classification right now. Can you imagine the gift of a body made new? No more mental disabilities, no more physical disabilities. I mentioned Joni Erickson Tata. She, um, one of her ministry podcasts, she tells the story of being in a worship session at a conference, five or 600 people around, and the speaker asked everyone to bow their knees. Well, she's, well, here's how she explains the story. She says, well, I sat there in my wheelchair and I watched as everyone else in the room, there had to be five to 600 people. All of them got out of their chairs, got down on their knees for a brief time of worship, she says, with everyone kneeling in the banquet room, I sat there kind of standing out. I looked around and I was sticking up, way up. I was the only one sitting in this huge room and looking around, I could not stop the tears. She says, I wasn't crying out of pity. I mean, I wasn't crying because I felt strange or different. That was the only, I was the only one sitting. No, my eyes were wet because it was so beautiful to see everyone kneeling in prayer. And it made me think of the day when I too, will be able to get up out of this wheelchair on new resurrected legs. She says, I can't wait for that day because when I get my glorified body, the first thing I'm going to do 
with my resurrected legs as to fall down on grateful, glorified knees. I'll once again have the chance to say, come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. That perfect body is going to be a gift. It's going to be a gift. We'll have a new glorified body for a new glorified universe. And the only way we get that perfect body is as a gift. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. We don't level up to something to achieve it. The only way we get this body, this perfect glorified body, the only way we get that is because the eternal Son of God took on a body. He lived in this world, suffering like us, struggling like us, but he perfectly obeyed all the way to the cross. And he hung his body hung on a cross for your sin and mine. It was buried in a tomb, but it was raised so that all who place their faith and hope in him might be saved. And so if you, if you want this perfect body that is a gift to you, you've got to receive Jesus as a gift first. And so if you've never surrendered your, your life to Jesus, I, I urge you today to surrender your life to him to confess your sin, to rejoice in his cross, to play, to surrender all your life to him, place all your hope on him, and be saved. And to receive the gift of salvation, that gift that ends with a new glorified body in a new glorified universe forever. Let's pray together. Father, we uh, we are really grateful for your goodness to us. We're really grateful for your kindness. Uh, Lord, thank you. Thank you that our, our present bodies have a distinct glory. Thank you that our present bodies uh, are fearfully and wonderfully made. And Lord, thank you for the day that is coming when we will get a perfect body, a new glorified body for a new glorified universe. And Lord, I pray that we would, that, that would fill us with a future hope and a present courage. Help us, Lord. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.